Welcome to the LearnMaker Podcast. These are not the apps you're looking for. A in-depth series exploring how teachers can improve learning with technology. Welcome to another episode of These Are Not The Apps You're Looking For. I'm Jay. And I'm James. And today we're going to be talking about death by apps. Great. So everyone's heard of death by PowerPoint. So we're going to turn this around a bit and look at death by apps and how this is affecting schools, classrooms, teachers, students, and the such. So where should we start, James? Um, so let's let's have a, just a, a go over kind of what the current trends are, or at least what we're finding at the moment. Um so I mean we've been to we've been to various different places around the country and, and seen quite a few different approaches to things, but most yeah. of them all gear around we need an app for this or an app for that. Yeah. Um, I think most of the training sessions we've we've done in the last year, most most people say, look, actually we just need the map an app a maths a maths app or an English app or a science app, or we need this, or how do we do that? Um yeah, and I think that, that seems to be the bit of the, the, the sort of issue people get stuck on. Mm. So this is, it can be a little bit disheartening, can't it, sometimes? Especially, so I think we've met about 150 schools yep. in the last 12 months. Yeah. And the majority are now in this mindset of, can we have an app for that? Can we have a sort of a tick box exercise or preset task? And it's almost taken some of the creativity and the fun out of the classroom, yeah. especially for students. Um, I think things we should address is so why are so obviously a lot of people talk about mobile devices and mobile technology and how it's coming to revolutionize learning so why are apps in a, in fact not such a good thing all the time um yes yeah, so, i mean there's loads isn't there i mean when i was back <clears throat> teaching sort of cad in in technology there was all these different types of apps that allow you to do different things and the, the problem we always face with that and even now is the, the ability of the member of staff to know all of those things, but mm -hmm. then all the students knowing those things, it's the time to take, you know, taken to sort of train the students um, on each particular app. Um, and then when you look at it, you know, just in, in one classroom, you know, say take for example, a primary classroom, and then we're covering loads of topics within the year. So sort of typically say six topics. Yeah. And we probably use 10 or 15 apps, you know, could use 10 or 15 apps for each topic. That's quite a lot of apps over the year, a minimum mm -hmm. 60 apps that you'd have to go through. Yeah. Um, you know, the time that it actually takes for the, the, the teacher to sort of learn those and the different approaches and then teach the students mm. all that time is kind of lost time because people are learning, but you know, it's, it's kind of off the track a little bit. Yeah. So that, that's part of the, the challenge, isn't it? Because in fact, a lot of people believe that by using apps, they're saving time. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got this great interactive resource that they can just drop in the lesson and that's going to improve teaching and learning. But like you say, I think the average teacher teaches about 700 lessons a year in the UK. So if they're using an app that's only relevant for 10 or 15 of those, then yeah, that's 60 to 100 apps in most cases. And yeah. where do you find the time to to um, to learn those? And I think also, it's, it, you know, there's a massive, in, in all the, the sort of mobile operating systems, you know, um, iOS, Android, mm. Windows, there are absolutely millions of apps. And they're all, they're all really, you know, the majority of those are really good. Educationally, they're really good. Mm. Um, but it is that, that difficulty of what do you use them for? Do you use them regularly enough um, in the lessons? But also, how do you get the files from one app to another? How do you import them? How do you export them? And then yeah. that becomes a whole workflow on its own um you know so again with, with students having to use loads of different things in loads of different subject areas how do they then start sharing them across you know mm -hmm. if they've got 
sort of prep time or anything like that in say secondary school how do they then on their own do that and how do they manage that and if you've got one teacher pulling them down one route another teacher pulling down another that's when it becomes a bit difficult so i mean from from what we you know how how we've looked at this previously is our focus has always been like a whole school approach rather than just individual you know teachers in in classrooms it's about how do we help schools develop a more coherent approach to you know, mobile technology and mobile teaching and learning. So when we go into schools, looking at it from almost the top down, it's looking at how that approach of multiple apps can be spread across the, uh, the school or the staff room. And I think that's where it becomes tricky because if you've got, say, 10 staff and they're all using 10 different apps, you know, probability and the possibility of all those combinations becomes really difficult. So sharing practice in the class, in the staff room becomes a little bit more difficult. Yeah. I'm not, not saying that it's not the way, you know, that you can't use all these apps, but for a school that's wanting to develop and wanting to embed this stuff from the start, it's a lot easier if you cut back mm. on the number of apps that you use. Yeah, there's probably three or four categories I think you could rank apps in. Um, I think it's good to know what these are. So a lot of the stuff that happens in classrooms tends to be substitution activities. Yep. And you could probably term this, probably engagement is better. Um, I remember, you know, probably two, three years ago when iPad came out, Epic Citadel was the app that every primary school teacher had. You know, um, you jump in, you navigate around a, a 3D castle. And a lot of those teachers in classrooms use that for sort of digital literacy and, and story writing and creative storytelling, all that jazz. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Um, I think that's a good example of um, a creative engagement app because you've got some context there. You've got something that you perhaps couldn't do previously. So yep. You couldn't, you know, you can't take children to medieval castles every day. Uh, and then it's wrapped around a, a good learning outcome and task. So a, the creative writing element, um, the engagement there. You know, th that's been replaced by, you know, see morpho is pretty much on every primary school teacher's ipad at the moment and if you haven't seen it it's an app that allows you to animate a a 2d face i think it can be good in the fact that you can animate historical figures or literate um figures from books and storytellers and stuff like that and it adds a bit of engagement and wow in there but i think it's too heavily relied upon so that in itself it's not really providing anything additional for the classroom other than a little bit more engagement, a little bit more excitement for the students. Yeah, it's kind of that, um, oh, how, what, do you, what do you call it? Uh, the kind of, the bang for your buck, isn't it? It's, it's how much input and how much sort yeah. of do you have to build into that and how much do you get out of it? Yeah, and um, if you think about if you're using this every day or every week with the students, you know, the new shiny gloss quickly is going to wear off and it just becomes another, you know, after the first couple of times, <clears throat> it's just standard use in the classroom. Yeah, Children yeah. begin to expect it. So then you've got to wonder, well, once that excitement and that engagement element has sort of passed by a little bit, what to actually add to the yeah. learning yeah. and the outcomes of these students. Um, I think the second element is obviously a lot of them are information and research-based apps. So these can be, you know, starting point is the internet. A lot of schools use mobile devices for the research element of that or in specific apps such as yeah. BBC News or, you know, if it's history-based, there's specific Rome type apps and ancient Greece ones that are really cool and interactive. Or it can be something around, you know, iTunes U or iBooks, something a little bit more interactive. I think they're valuable. Uh, and again, it's important in the classroom 
but that's more augmentation. If you're familiar with the salmon model, it's more the augmentation or modification of what's happening already. I'd say, you know, that information is usually around previously existing exercise books or on laptops. So again, if you're using tablets or iPads for this sort of thing, what is the benefit over a laptop? I think I'd ask. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost that, you know, going back to sort of when we were in school, that um, in Carter type thing, yeah. you know, watching the videos, it does something extra. It does bring something to life. Yeah. But how far, for, you know, further forward do you go with it? Yeah, um, yeah no, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, from when we, you know, when we've gone into schools before and, and looked at sort of training um, and kind of how these, you know, what sort of categories these apps come down into, you know, for me, it's kind of, you, you've got to have some form of sort of core creation app, some sort of mm-hmm. collaboration app, and then some sort of assessment app. And if you get that across the whole school, yeah, yeah, some teachers are going to run ahead and want to use loads of other apps. And that's perfectly fine. And again, where we're coming from, from this isn't, isn't the kind of forward thinking runners and sprinters is actually the whole school body, the more hesitant members of staff. And how do you get the technology being used across the whole school as opposed to just in the enthusiastic or tech, you know, techie kind of teachers. So, you know, if you have an app, if we just choose or have one standard app for content creation, one for sharing and collaborating and one for assessment, I think they're the only three that you really need. And that's what Mm. I'd say. That's the final group of apps is that, it's adding something new into the classroom. So yeah. yeah, you know, if you can animate a video or a screencast or something like that, that's brand new. You couldn't do that before. If you can collaborate in real time, uh, work, you know, 24 seven on it, you don't have to be in the same room. Again, that's something new that you couldn't previously do in the classroom. And likewise, if you're assessing it online, digital, you can add audio, video yeah. feedback in there. You can have real time interactions with students on, on your marking cycle. Again, that's something that didn't exist previously. Yeah, yeah. And again, yeah, it, it, let's just get all of this out of the way, really. You know, get all the app stuff aside. The, the, the underlying thing is, is it going to actually improve teaching and learning? Whatever you do and use, does it actually improve it? And does it improve it for the long term as opposed to just sort of loads yeah. of one-off lessons, One, you know, those kind of things? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, the other angle for teachers is is saving time. You know, from my experience of teaching is, you know, you you want to almost not cut the corners, but you want to cut off as much as you can, cut the fat a little bit, if you like, mm. on the, the process. And if you've got to use multiple different things, yeah, okay, that's that's going to add time eventually. So it's just finding an app or finding a, a process or a series of apps that work for you throughout all your lessons, especially in primary school when you're having to work in different subject areas. If you've got a couple that sort of bridge those gaps between the, the curriculum, yeah, make your life a lot easier. Yeah, it's something I was thinking about only the other day. You know, every other industry, when it invests in technology, the first thing it does with it is it's it's make its employees' jobs easier. Yeah, yeah. So it's more, they make their jobs more efficient or easier or they add some functionality um, that improves it somehow. But sometimes the difference in teaching is they buy the technology and it goes straight into the classroom, into the students. And that is, yeah, that's the desired outcome and the right effect. But the first thing you've got to do is the staff have got to be on board. It's got to improve their lives because if you're not creating time and space for them to use that technology, it's just not going to be used to its potential, which is what happens nine times out of 10, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so going back to the, the kind of those three uh, those three categories. Mm. So that's the uh, content creation. Yep, 
the collaboration and an assessment. Um, and an assessment. Um, Interesting thing in the last couple of days when we've been to the Academy show and just had a look at all the presentations around there and the new Ofsted framework and, you know, those kind of things that are coming out. I think one of the things, having sort of looked at a few of those sort of seminars and presentations, one of the things that have come out with the Ofsted stuff is actually the simplification of, you know, evidence really of, of, of gathering and assessing students' progress. I think one of the things that's going to come up is actually these devices being used to assess lessons and assess classes live. So rather than having long-term assessment putting in, you know, long-term tests, actually, I think just reading between the lines myself and looking at it, I think the possibilities there are quite good for, you know, the kind of apps that capture responses mm. very quickly so teachers can assess on the fly as opposed to having sort of formal stuff. So the sort of multi-choice type things, the kind of, you know, four options and they come straight up on the board. So it allows teachers to snapshot the learning as opposed to, you know, kind of longer term assessment. I think that might be something that certainly mobile devices can really, really help with. Yeah. And um, so I heard a rumor about a year ago when the Ofsted framework was, you know, people talking about the new system they were following. And there was talk that Ofsted were going to start looking at technology use in schools and how effective it was in teaching and it was dropped last minute because they felt they didn't have the overview and the experience to look at that at the, that moment. And instead, they subbed in the sort of e-safety, digital citizenship yeah. side of of um, and the Britishness side of the, the elements that they're now looking at. Yeah, the safeguarding type stuff. Yeah, but it wouldn't yeah. surprise me in you know in the next decade or so if technology use becomes a much bigger focus on them. What I've noticed already is that so schools who use tablets well and mobile technology, it's now starting to crop up in the, the later offset reports. You know, if I think the key thing on that is that they never look at it negatively. So if you're not making great use of it, it's not going to come up. But the schools who do use it well are being referenced and championed by them. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's coming up as a mention, isn't it, as opposed to a kind of um, yeah. bullet-pointed thing. Yeah, um, yeah no, it's, it, you know, it's interesting, really interesting stuff. But again, you know, going going back to that sort of the creation and the um, collaboration stuff, you know, th those kind of things have got to kind of work with what all the staff do, not just mm. sort of one-offs. Um, yeah. And again, from our experience of things is, you know, some students may not have those mobile devices at home. They may have different ones, different versions. So it's something that's kind of cross-platform, really, and just finding something like that. Mm. Again, there's loads of there's loads of apps that do these kind of things out there. Um, and we've we've covered quite a few in sort of tutorials and stuff before. But again, when you're looking at apps, you know, from my point of view, is is just make sure it's simple, make sure it's cross as cross platform as it can possibly be, um, would be would be awesome. So, okay, what apps would you suggest for teachers who want to start creating content with, with their students? And then, secondly, so why should schools and teachers start looking at create having content creation tasks in the lesson? Yeah, so um, the first one then, the, the apps. There's, I mean, there's there's loads out there. My favorite at the moment seems to be um, Explain Everything. Yeah. Um, again, you know, it's, it's cross-platform, cross-device. Um, the reason why I like it is you can, it's so flexible. You can import your existing stuff. So one of the big problems with um, putting new tech in and new ways of doing things is the old tech has to then readjust. So for example, yeah. your kind of presentation slides and those kind of things are normally stuck in a previous version or stuck in a previous app or something like that. How do you get them into the new app? So Explain Everything does that really well. Yeah. 
And then the reverse of that, well, the, the other side of that is then sharing it out. Again, yeah. explain everything, can share that out however you want. Images, documents, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So for people who haven't played around with it, this is a screencasting app. So it's basically a digital whiteboard. Anything you draw, write, or speak into it um, gets recorded in real time. And then you can create that, bounce that down into a video. And then the students can have that anytime, anywhere. Yeah, and it, and it also, I mean, it also captures... so that. There's loads of really cool things in there. I'm sure we've done some tutorials. If not, we'll we'll stick the links up and stuff on the video on the um, on the link on the comments. Um, but one of the really good things with that is that typically with like the sort of normal desktop power you know PowerPoint type mm. presentation things, not just that but a few others, is you're normally tied to a desktop. Whereas in the classroom with a mobile device, if you're lucky enough to have a mobile device and you're in the classroom and you're wireless you can actually capture stuff away from the computer. So you can take photos of students' books. You don't have to have that visualizer at the front of the classroom because mm. the app actually has a lovely video camera inside it already. Those things that you'd normally typically have to bring to the front of the classroom. And again, sort of going back a few years with pace in the classroom, and maintaining pace, it cuts all that out. So you don't have to bring the book down the front, show it, and then go back and do all that kind of stuff. Um, the other thing is, is that it takes the publishing or the content creation uh, and sort of democratizes it a little bit. You know, your students on their devices, even on their phones, can have the same app you've got. So instead of you paying thousands of pounds for a license of a particular piece of software, yeah. um, the students can have it themselves for, you know, under five pounds on their device. Um, and then they can be creating content for you. You know, that's that's a, for me, that's a winner because I can actually set, say, for example, my year 11, so I can give them some revision material, mm -hmm. put some relevancy to it and say, well, actually, not only are you making revision material for yourself, but you're also doing it for the year 10 group. Um, you know, those kind of things. It's probably a poor yeah. example, but, you know, that, that kind of... Well, that's that called, um, I think that was invented in the 60s, it's like Mantle of the Expert, mm -hmm. that's called. It came out of a drama and um, it's something that a lot of primary school teachers quite familiar with it from sort of free play and drama based yeah. activities but it it never seemed to make its way into secondary but yeah if you position the student as the expert so in this case yep they've got to create some reusable uh, revision materials then you're asking them to step up to a task yeah and um, by doing so you're motivating them so yeah i think it, easy way to uh, cut down the workflow yeah, definitely. And it, it goes back to in secondary, we used to have the, um, I think it was the Paul McGuinness book, a teacher toolkit. Mm -hmm. um, and in there, there was a marketplace exercise, which was brilliant. Same sort of thing. You'd have different tables of revision and then students then become knowledgeable in one particular thing and then share it and go around and, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. You can do the same now and enhance that a little bit better. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, and then, yeah, the assessment stuff. Well, no, hang on. Where, do we, where are we getting to? We got to uh, collaboration. Uh, collaboration. So, yeah, the sharing element. Um, again, with this, there's loads of different ways of doing it. Um, most devices have sort of localized sharing functions. So iPad has uh, AirDrop, which is fantastic. Um, you can just sort of tap on someone's face and share it straight away. You don't have to go into email or Dropbox or any web dab thing or anything like that. It just goes locally. Um, yeah, so sharing it out. Different ways of doing it. If you're a teacher, I'd say, you know, get yourself on YouTube and then share videos out and share lessons out that way. That's quite yeah. a good way of doing it. Talking about YouTube, so I've been looking a lot at the Google stuff. So I just entered the Google education trainer um, qualification process. And I, I knew quite a lot about Google, but then when I did a lot more of the training, I couldn't believe some of the things that were hidden away um, that they're not great at, at sharing about. Um, so little things tucked away. So Google Scholar is an awesome one. So at any time 
there's any uh, research material or anything you want to look at, you can find this online totally free. Um, tons of eBooks on there for free as well, especially around education. And you can create your own content locker. I think they call it filing cabinet. Okay. Um, now, it doesn't sound revolutionary on its own, but if you build a Google site, again, that's free. So you can build a Google site and this can be almost a mini VLE for your class or your subject. You can actually plug in live your content locker. Hmm. Uh, it's just your filing cabinet is what they call it. You can plug that in live onto a specific page. So if you are you know, GCSE A-level teacher revising key texts, you can find these documents online for free. You can highlight the elements that you want and you can have these live on a website where students can literally log on, uh, grab the documents they need, collaborate, uh, collaborate in real time through uh, Hangouts, chat, and groups, and then re-upload it through something like Google Classroom. Huh, that's pretty cool. And it pretty much replaces the entire VLE process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty hidden away. Everyone knows Google for Gmail, Calendar, uh, YouTube, but they've got probably about 20, 30 standalone yeah, software apps. packages yeah, that yeah. now all integrate um, and mm. are really cool for, for teachers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, if, you're, you know, if you've got Microsoft, so you've got SharePoint and all those kind of things, they all work. But again, it, you know, and, and iTunes U, if you've got one-to-one -one iPads, or even if you haven't got one-to-one -one iPads, you can still do quite a lot with that. But again, it all boils down to what's good for the whole of the school as opposed to just one particular area is, is, is my view of it looking from the top down. Yeah. Um, and again, as a classroom teacher, I'd be wanting to tap into what is commonly used, what the kids are going to be used to using um, rather than trying to get them to sign up to a different particular thing. And then they've got to remember the passwords because every time they've got to remember something or they forget it, that's mm. a barrier. And then they're just going to be less likely to do it if it taps into their YouTube or their Google or their Apple ID or their Hotmail account or anything like that, I think that's a, that's a winner Yeah. Um, because it's just there. It's just one less thing for them to actually do to pass the, you yeah. know, pass the barrier. So I think the takeaway from this point is use to leverage the, uh, the big technologies that are out there. So Apple, yeah. Apple, Microsoft, or Google, most students or people in the world will have a device or, you know, a login for one of those yeah. services rather than buying into, I think VLEs are dead. I'm not yeah. sure why schools are still buying them. I think we might knock a few people off with that, but yeah, I would totally agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. So yeah, it speak it. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, remove as many barriers to having your students work and digitally. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, make your workflow and your life much easier as a teacher. Yeah, I, th I think the other thing to do as well, and again, you know, looking at the training that we've done and the projects that we've done over the last year, is is make sure you've got some sort of group that will test some things out before you get to the point where you you need to use them. You know, so again, thinking exam time and, and revision time, actually start trialing it out now and testing bits now. Mm. You know, within a focus group, there's an awful lot of focus at the moment on sort of um, teachers sharing practice informally. You know, sort of support groups and things like that within yeah. school for CPD, personal learning networks. Yeah, and, and I, th I think that's that, that's a key thing to tap into. There's some really good um, people on Twitter for that. If you're on Twitter, um, if there's if not, there's loads of teach meets that are, that are available to sort of have a look at. But again, it, it I would say internally inside school, you know, even if it's department level mm. or year group level, is just concentrate on just a couple of things. So you don't confuse the Jesus out of yeah out of everything so this um, takes us to the the final element isn't it so um the uh sort of curation or the marketing feedback process yeah yeah 
So again, with this one, um, loads of different ways of doing it. One thing that really, really annoys me at the moment with the assessment stuff is all of the tick boxing that goes on and all the different sort of grids and formulas and all these kind of things staff have to do day in, day out. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm probably speaking well out of turn here, but I don't know where the hell all that comes from. I really don't. It just knocks the hell out of me. Um, but there are apps that will help sort of assess students in the classroom and allow you to track their progress a little bit easier. And again, as we said before, snapshot the, the sort of student's progress. So rather than sitting there for hours filling out an Excel spreadsheet and putting in plus one, minus one, and all that kind of stuff, mm. you can actually get some live data that actually means something. Um, so there's loads for that. Um, there's loads of really good ones like Nearpod, for example, where you can put your presentations in, you can build interactivity in and little quizzes. There's Kahoot, there's Edmodo, all these ones that do little quizzes instantly. There's mm. even things that are really simple where you don't even have to have like loads of devices in the classroom. If you've got a camera on your device, you can use a thing called Plickers. So P-L-I-C-K-E-R-S. Yeah, the QR codes. Yeah, with QR codes, which is fantastic. It's like, who wants to be a millionaire? They have a a sort of a square QR code or square barcode um, with A, B, C, and D on each side. And then they base each barcode is completely different to a student. They hold it up when you answer a question. It's basically like putting your hand up, but instead of the student looking to their left or right to see what the answer is, they can't because the QR codes are completely different. Yeah. That's really good because then that tracks all of that kind of thing quite quickly. Yeah, That's just probably uh, best uses for like knowledge check for those apps, I guess. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah middle of the presentation of the lesson you can call on any one of those and it's very easy to take a poll of the students yeah and get some data to see if they're getting a topic or yeah and there's some there's some schools that have um have taken like just take plickers for example there's quite a few that are like that um that they actually printed the barcode on the back of the student planner or yeah. printed it or stuck it on the front of their exercise book so they don't even have to remember it they just hold it up yeah um another really good one is Shobi. we've done quite a lot of work um with with the Shobi app in schools mm -hmm. um it's really sticky it's really good um you know what, what i mean by that is is kind of once staff get their head around how it works and the simplicity of it um they use it for everything so you can use it in the classroom to just share workouts there's that collaboration element but also you can then assess the student work you can then feedback the student work because another pain in the backside um, is kind of feeding back, you know, the red pen, green pen, green for growth, pink for tickle or whatever it is, I don't know, all these kind of pen color things. Instead of doing all of that, which I just think only taps into a, a, a minority of the mind share of a student, yeah. actually the, the, the things that especially primary school teachers are really good at is, is sort of sitting and talking to students. You know, that kind of feedback can actually be re recorded and tracked in Shobi. Mm. Um, and it's all collected in one place. So rather than having different versions and all this kind of wonderful stuff, and you have to kind of keep your mind, you know, active on that, it just keeps everything in like a text message conversation. So again, it taps into what students know and what they're comfortable with, this text message style way of working, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. So Shobi's a really good one. Plick is a really good one. There are loads of others out there. Kahoot's really good for quizzes and making quick stuff up. Mm. Another good thing with Kahoot and all those kind of ones, those web-based ones, is one, they're web-based, but two, there's a whole bank of questions and stuff that other teachers have put on there. It's a big community mm. um, of stuff on there, which is yeah. also quite nice. Shobi's good, isn't it? Because I think on the last update, so I know they do parent view now. Mm. I'm not sure when they released it, but... I think it's in beta, uh, beta, isn't it? I think I think it's live. It's live now. Okay. Um. So yeah. So you can be marking students' work, but their parents can be invited to view the work as well. Yeah. 
So rather than having to wait for parents' day, parents' evenings, or you know whatever the school call them now, this parents can see the work live day by day, hour by hour that's happening, and it gives that I think a better bridge into the home, the home school connection, um, which is only going to help and yeah. build parental engagement. The other one that a lot of schools um, worry about when moving to sort of digital marketing and feedback. Uh, the first one is that every student has to have a device. So that's not the case. So what we've done with Sherby in the past is that the, so the, the students still all create the work and finish it on paper. And then the teacher just simply takes a, a snapshot or photo, uploads that onto the Sherby account, and then they mark it digitally. Yeah. Um, the student can then log in. So anywhere they've got internet access. So there's an online dashboard, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is just Sherby.com, um, yeah. Yeah, so tablet, PC, regardless of, there's some dedicated apps. I think they've got an Android one now. Um, but I'd have to check. But they can log on certainly online from any browser, get that in real time. And then it's all Ofsted ready as well data. So the the thing that schools worry about in that process is that moving away from the, the system that they're following, they're going to have to export that data back, put it in that same format for when Ofsted come in. But that's just simply not the case, is it? Yeah. So that was another thing that we, we had a look at the other day was, you, you know, they're not interested, um, and Shaw Hartford has actually said categorically on a nice little 40-second YouTube video, they're not interested in looking at the tables of data. Mm. They're actually interested in how that data applies to teaching and learning. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, hopefully, hopefully, gone are the days of having loads of Excel charts in a teacher's hands. That's great for strategy level and SLT and middle leader stuff, but actually a teacher just needs to be concerned mm. with that sort of teaching and learning and that's yeah. where those kind of apps like Shobi really kick in because it's just it's kind of the interactions are recorded and you know the progress is checked really easily and shown really easily as opposed to doing all these kind of marking audits and trawls where you have to capture all these bits of evidence then document them triple triple date them and all that kind of stuff and have different color codes for marking and feeding back mm. all that stuff goes to the wayside and you can just track all of that nice and easily in Shobi yeah there's some feedback coming out at the moment on the immediacy of feedback, and they reckon that after 48 hours, is it like a decay period? So the longer it takes for you to feedback, the less relevant it is to knowledge. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's still quite early research, and I'm quite surprised that no one's actually looked into that in more detail. Yeah. But it makes sense that, yeah, if you, you, know, if you do, you have a, some homework, you hand it in to the teacher, and you don't get it back for two to three weeks. You know, those comments are going to become irrelevant. Yeah, even if it's it just takes. two to three days, you know, I mean, crikey, if you've got, if, yeah. if you imagine a student has five lessons a day and you see them every other day, yeah, by the time they've seen you, 50 to 75 lessons. Yeah, it's just mental, like, you know, 20 odd lessons between the, oh, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, narrows, narrows the gap between the, the, the feedback and it also just, uh, you know, gives you different types of feedback. So written, you know, video evidence, audio evidence, those kind of things. Um, but the other thing for that is the fact that it's it's quick for the teacher to pick up. It's quick for the student. They're just using a camera to capture their book. One of the other things we've we've bumped into a couple of times is, well, yeah, but there's no marking in the book. Mm. Um, and again, it actually, from my understanding of all of this, it really doesn't matter if the marking's in the book, in your book, or mm. in a digital book. It makes no difference as long as there's some evidence of progression, as long as there's some evidence of quality teaching, quality learning, and quality assessment going on. It doesn't really matter. You could do it on post-it notes if you really wanted to, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. So that's pretty cool. 
So I think yeah, that's a good place to sum up, isn't it? So if yeah. we had three key takeaways from the listeners, what would they be? Yeah, so I'd I'd say focus on the process. Don't focus on the apps. Um, you know, if a, if an app helps you, brilliant. Um, but don't go out of your way to find all these wonderful apps. Just keep to a core. Mm-hmm. Uh, create a work group or leader group, leadership group to just test out the processes before you kind of roll them out whole school. Get some of your enthusiastic staff, get some of your more hesitant staff, get them together in a room and just mm. go through some stuff to make it simple. Yeah. So you want everyone, you want a core set of apps, don't you there? Yeah. You want the teachers using yeah. the same apps yeah, I'd, I'd say the school, so. don't you? Yeah, and, and I'd say keep it really to a minimum. I think we've done projects, we've done one-to-one projects and long-term projects where we've seen, seen success mm. when we've been using sort of two or three apps as the core and then the enthusiastic ones go off and do more. So yeah, just keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and then finally, just make sure there's some sort of consistency across the, across the school. So, you know, logins are the same, usernames are the same, you know, those kind of things. Cause again, as I said before, they can be the big barriers for students and teachers of, Oh, well, I've got six passwords to remember six email addresses, six user accounts, six, da, da, da. Yeah, just, it will never work. So yeah. essentially, in fact, all of those three things could be just kept under the, the term, keep it simple. Keep yeah. it simple, keep it minimal. Brilliant. That's a great place to sum up. So if you want to find out more, uh, I think the best place is to head to our site. Uh, you can find us at www.learnmaker.co.uk. If you want to chat to either of us on Twitter, where can they find you, James? Uh, I'm at the Learnmaker, And I'm at LearnmakerJ. Thanks for tuning in and listening, and we'll be back at the same time next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Learnmaker podcast at learnmaker.co.uk